Thank you, Pastor Rue. Thank you, Pastor Paul, for an awesome communion message. I feel very encouraged and ready to go. Praise God. Um, I'm going to open in a karakia as I open my Bible. Should we start there? Should we preach from there? Or should we preach? Oh, we'll have a look in a second. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the people in this house this morning, Lord. Many parts of your body represented here in one, in one spirit, in unity with you. Lord, I pray that this morning, this Resurrection Sunday, as we remember what you did and we celebrate you and we give you glory and honor, I pray that your word would go forth and would touch many hearts here under the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray that the ones that they had a battle to come this morning, the ones that it was a toss of the coin whether or not they'd turn up, but here they are. They could have been anywhere else, but they chose to be here this morning. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that your spirit has moved them to this place and it's not in vain. I declare salvation in the house this morning. Salvation from self. For life in you. In your name. Amen. Amen. I'm really honored to be able to speak on the resurrection of Christ this morning. Being Resurrection Sunday and being that we're preaching from the theme of I am, all the different I am statements of Jesus. He had a lot to say about himself. All good stuff. But at one point in the Bible, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And I want to speak to that this morning. But first, actually, I just feel like um, I feel I should open in a bit of a fuckatoki. Kia hiwara, kia hiwara. Kia hiwara ki tēnei tuku, kia hiwara ki tērā tuku, kia tū, kia oho, kia matāra, tīheiwa, mauri ora. Mauri ora ki te rangi, mauri ora ki te whenua, mauri ora ki a koutou katoa. Ko te atua. Te kaihanga o te rangi me te whenua, ko ia nei te timatanga, ko ia anō te whakamutunga. Whakohonoretia tōna ingoa tapu i ngā wā katoa, kroria ki te atua. I'm just acknowledging our Father in heaven first, the Creator. He's the beginning, He's the end, He's the Creator of the sky, the earth. We honour his name at all times and give glory to him. That's all that means. I just think it's really important to, um, to acknowledge him first and foremost. We gather here on a Sunday not just to say hi to friends and, and uh, have a good time with the community. That's a really cool perk of what we do. But really what we're doing here on a Sunday morning is glorifying God, worshipping God being many members of one body, come together to hear from God. So I pray that this morning that you guys are expectant, expectant to see God move, to hear Him speak straight into your hearts this morning. I'm going to take us into His Word. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's see, where should we start? I'm in John chapter 11, for those of you that, that want to follow along. And we, we come here at a time around uh, verse 17, where Jesus is ministering, and he hears that a good friend of him is very, a good friend of his is very, very ill, Lazarus. 
Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. Mary is the woman that loved Jesus so much and recognized his redemptive power so much that she washed his feet in perfume. And we come at a time now where Lazarus is deathly ill. And Jesus is told, and it says in the word, well, because he loved him so much, he waited a couple of days and then went. That's a bit weird. If I loved him so much, I would have gone straight away. But Jesus knew that God had something to display here, something really important for us to grasp. So in verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany, which is where he was in tomb, was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Martha, we know, was the doer. Mary was the one that just liked to enjoy the presence, enjoy the moment. In this moment, Martha heard that Jesus was there. She's going to go do something about it. She gets up out of the house and she goes to meet Jesus. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. Martha didn't necessarily, she wasn't necessarily talking about and believing that Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead, but she just knew that Jesus had this connection with the Father, that him being here would be nothing but a good thing. That whatever he asked, it could happen. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, Martha, some people like to protect themselves from having too much hope over a situation. (laughs) Sometimes we just think that's too good to be true and we don't want to be hurt, so we, we build it up to be something else. And this is what Martha was doing. She had faith for something, but it was something far off, something distant. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She knew and she believed about the resurrection in the last day. She knew and believed that Jesus was good, but these promises were for later. And these promises didn't necessarily have any sway on her situation and could offer her very little comfort right now as her brother is lying four days in a tomb. She didn't feel that it was a hope for now. I think as I was preparing this message, the Lord said to me, there are three or four people in this room that have a deferred hope, that have a hope for the future, but they don't necessarily believe that this hope is for right now. And these next words that come out of Jesus' mouth are for you. And there's so much to what he says. It almost doesn't speak directly to Martha's problem, but it speaks eternally. It speaks about really who we are in Christ and and the gravity of what he did. So when Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. You're believing in something distant, but I am right here in front of you. 
You're believing that sometime in the future you will work through all the issues in your life and you will step into this better life that's off there in the distance. But Jesus is saying to you right now, I am right here. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus is asking you this morning. Do you believe this? Not just the words he's saying. Do you believe in the resurrection power of Jesus? Do you believe in the life of Jesus? Do you believe that you are in Christ Jesus, the life, this morning? Do you believe that our loving Father sent His Son so that He would come and make His home in you as you've been a new new creation, born again by the Spirit through the resurrection of Christ? He's asking you this morning, You might have hope for something in the distance, but would you just believe that I'm here right now, living in you, and the entire power of the resurrection is within you, that I can make a difference today if you would just allow me to? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. He said, I am the resurrection and the life, the resurrection, and the life. And as I was studying this, I realized that if something's going to be resurrected, it must first die. How is that pertinent to you and I? There's a death that happens. Today is Resurrection Sunday. That's right, Gabby. (laughs) Friday, something else happened. Jesus went to the grave. What happened when Jesus went to the grave for you and I? It says in the word that we went with him. Let me tell you the story of the gospel. The story of the gospel is the story of two men. Adam in Christ. Way back in the beginning, Adam, he struggled with his own desire for knowledge. He was deceived. And he took a bite from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to become like God. That was the promise, to become like God. But it all went awry. You see, he did not become like God. The objective that he sought did not come to fruition. Instead, death was brought in. The power of death, the power of sin. But there was one man whose obedience overruled and overpowered all of that. And that was Christ. When he went to the grave, that act of obedience, it says in the word, the grace that came from that superabounds over any sin. It says that it, it overtakes and overpowers and overshadows and overlights all of the darkness that came into the world through one man's lack of obedience, disobedience. So the story of the gospel is this contrast between who we are 
in that Adamic line, in that line from Adam, compared to who we are now in Christ. So why did Jesus say, I'm the resurrection and the life? It's because there is a resurrection and a new life in Him. And this is the true power of the resurrection. If you're here today and you're trying to whip the old man into shape and you're trying to make something out of a, out of a condemned man that came from that Adam line, you're fighting something that's impossible. Jesus said, I came and I went to the grave so that Adam could come with me. And then I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, came back out of that grave with you. You no longer belong to that papa. You no longer belong to that family tree of Adam. You are now a new creature born again of the Spirit in Christ. And what does that mean? Christ is incorruptible. Christ cannot sin. He never sinned. You are born of an incorruptible seed so that you can live in righteousness. So that's your new nature. That's your new nature. I had some other scriptures to read. This is powerful. Martha had a different idea of who Christ was. And we see time and time again in the scripture, Christ does these gentle corrections. And he sort of answers people who have questions and he answers them in a way that's just sort of, you read it in the Bible and you go, was he listening to the question? (laughs) But there's something deeper there for us. Amen. Every time I read this scripture, I hear it in the the voice of, um, what's his name? It escapes me now. That whosoever believeth in him, I'm going to read the scripture and you'll hear his voice. Billy Graham, John 3, 15. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Death no longer has its hold on us, no longer has its talons on us, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It means that everlasting life, it doesn't mean that your life before knowing Christ will be extended into eternity. That life is gone. That had to finish so that resurrection could happen. And that now everlasting life means that Christ has, through his death, made a way for your old self to be taken to the grave and in his resurrection has brought you out of the grave into a completely new life born of the Spirit. I'm just going to open up Romans 5 now. So I'm going old school this morning and I'm reading from my actual Bible. So I'm actually, I'm actually giving you time to turn to the pages with me. <laughs> Romans 5, and I'm, I apologize, Steve, I'm sure I'm bouncing all around the place. <laughs> You're the man. Romans 5, 17. 17. And this is what I was talking about before. If you read from Romans 5, 12, I won't read from there. There's a bit of repetition there as well, but it's all really important. 
This is what I was talking about before. I'll start at 17. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through the one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. I love the word that Pastor Paul brought last week. And it was a challenging word, wasn't it? Because sometimes we, in the church, we love to think that there's something we've got to do with this, you know? You came to church on a Sunday, therefore, you're doing better than those ones out there that didn't come. You've done, you've done a work, and you've come to church, good on you, you've showed up, you should get a reward for that, right? You've lived a good life. Perhaps this week you've, uh, you've read your word every morning, you've spent a bit of time with the Lord, therefore, you're feeling pretty righteous this morning. That is all great stuff, but we need to make sure that we're thinking about this the right way around. See, if someone walked in that door this morning who had not even read their Bible this week, had not even talked to God, had, had perhaps got angry at their wife, had perhaps had some serious road rage, had, had, had struggled with alcohol during the week, had, had done all sorts of things, but they'd walked through the door this morning to receive from God, they're in the same position you are. Because it's Christ's gift, His free gift that we receive in this place. That's challenging because as a, as a person who, um, who has strived to be a good worker, I understand the, the economy of hard work, you know, do the mahi, get the treats, you know, and if I'm going to work harder than Paul, I expect to get a better wage than Paul, you know? But who knows the kingdom of God doesn't work like this? Who knows that when Christ made His decision... When God made his decision to send his son into the world and Christ in obedience went to that cross, he went there for you and I when you and I weren't even around to argue the point. He didn't give us a say in the matter. He just did it. And our job is not to earn that. Our job is to receive that. Martha said, if you had just come earlier, Lord, my brother wouldn't be dead. Don't you understand, Jesus? Couldn't you have come earlier? Why did you wait a couple of days? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am standing right in front of you, Martha. And all of the power of the Holy Spirit is in me. All of the resurrective and redemptive power I have come. That this death that your brother has experienced doesn't mean anything anymore. Because there is new life in me. I am the resurrection and the life. So then, does it matter then, sin? Does it matter if we stuff up? If really it's nothing to do with us? Luckily... Paul addresses this in Romans 6, straight after. So we don't, <laughs> we don't start thinking, oh, well, then it doesn't matter then, I can sin, because the more I sin, the more grace will abound. So I'll end up with more grace if I just sin more. But then you still haven't quite got it, have you? Because there's a new creature now. There's not the old one that's a slave to sin. 
Sin is not something that's natural to you anymore when you're a new creature in Christ. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? This is chapter 6 of Romans. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into His death? It's dead. Thank you, Lord. Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. I'm not saying that things don't pop up every now and then in your walk, but the difference is now you are living from heaven. You are living as a new creature from an incorruptible seed. So when sin rears its ugly head in your life, you have the power to say, I'm dead to that. I'm no longer alive, and I'm, I'm, I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I'm alive in Christ for, for what? For God. Christ was raised again, given a new life for God, and so we in Christ are raised again, new creatures for His glory. And this is the power of the resurrection. I actually felt that God wanted us to have a little bit of a ministry time this morning. And He wanted me to specifically speak and call out to those people who are struggling with that far-off mentality of Christ. Perhaps you have prayed and prayed and prayed for a certain thing, and it's set in your heart now that this is a far-off thing. You haven't lost your faith in Christ. You haven't lost your faith in God. But that hope is being deferred. It says in the Word that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And this morning, I want you to realize just how close the resurrection power of Christ is to you. There are things in your life that you have been waiting for that have not come about. You've had people pray and pray and pray into them and you've not seen anything move. I want you to trust this morning, just as Jesus challenged Martha, I want you to challenge your own way of thinking when it comes to our Lord Jesus. Not only is He just close, like He stood in front of Martha, but much more, it says in the Word, He's actually come to make His home in you. It says that the resurrection power, the Holy Spirit, is alive in you. And I'm believing this morning, and I'd like to believe with you, that He will move in your life this morning in a mighty way. I'm praying for encounter this morning. So as my wife ministers, I actually, we don't often do this, but I actually just feel to be a bit bold this morning. And I, and I hope that you would join me in this boldness and if you are seeking this, and I'm sure it could almost be everybody in this room, but if there's anyone that desires 
to tap into that nearness of God, that Holy Spirit that's dwelling inside of you, to this morning just start living more from that new life and less from that old man. You, you don't have to bash that old man into submission. That old man is dead and gone. Live new, a new life in Christ. If that's you, if you really feel that and you want to get a, get a bit more of a taste of that and you want to feel more of that, I want you to stand to your feet and come to the front. It's a big thing to ask, but I would really love if you would be bold this morning, if we could all stand right now, if we could all stand right now, and if you want to come and receive some prayer from our leaders this morning, as we just try to unblock these wells inside of you, and we want to see living water flow from you this morning, if there's been something that's frustrating you, if there's a hope deferred within you, come to the front and let's see what God can do. Amen? Come to the front. Come to the front now and let's see what God can do. Come to the front. Come to the front. I would love to pray with you this morning. Come to the front. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Come to the front. Come to the front. And for those of you that are coming to the front, for those of you that are uh, staying back in your chairs, if you could just lift your hands just as my wife ministers and just pray with us this morning. Yeah, and don't worry if you're a little bit later. Just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Thank you. Let's just worship God. For those standing there, lift your hands. We want to pray for these guys and believe for this.